This is the Olive Wellness Podcast, brought to you by the Olive Wellness Institute. Welcome to episode 11 of Olive Wellness Podcast. I'm Sarah Gray. Dr. Tassos Hirakides was born on the beautiful island of Cyprus. He fondly remembers mealtimes spent with family, sitting around the table, eating locally grown foods prepared with generous splashings of olive oil. That's a world away from his current home in New York, where he's established the Yale Olive Institute. You can take the Cypriot out of the Mediterranean, you can't take away his passion for a Mediterranean diet. Tassos is a biostatistician, an epidemiologist, and he has a strong interest in infectious diseases, particularly HIV, AIDS and its treatment. He's also an olive oil sommelier. What's that exactly and how do you become one? Tassos explains to Chris Ashmore. It's a parallel to the wine sommelier, but now you, you train to appreciate and know anything about different olive oils. And with the variety of olive oils we have in the world now, these people are trained to appreciate different varieties and cultivars from different parts of the, of the Mediterranean, mainly producing countries, and also Australia as well. So you, you get to experience and, and taste the flavors, the profiles, and understand what olive oil matches and pairs with particular foods. Do you advise restaurants then on what oils to use with what food? Yes, uh, you can do that. Uh, I don't think it caught on as a job in a restaurant business yet, but I think it's coming. And I work with restaurants uh, sometimes in where I live and help them sort of choose what olive oils to use as a foundation versus a finishing olive oil or with different kind of food. You pair it with different kinds of olive oils, like a, a robust oil will go with a meat, a game as opposed to a lighter, more mellow olive oil that will go with seafood or veggies. And the techniques with tasting the oil, is that similar to what we imagine a wine sommelier doing, or is it more nasal? Is it more about the smell? It's both nasal and the taste of it, and and you engage all your sensors in your mouth and, and your nose, and you have to find the right description for what you're smelling and what memory brings to you, what kind of food it reminds you of, what kind of smell. And usually olive oils, the the ones we're talking about, the extra virgin olive oil has that fresh, fruity, herby, strong sometimes, but you can find the mellow ones as well. And you're also looking at the spiciness, how peppery is it, and what does it engage in your flavor. And then you can start directing that oil to the kind of food you want to enjoy it with. Do you spit it in a bucket? Uh, no, I, I don't do that. I drink all the olive oil that I taste. Do you? Uh, yes. And during the course that uh, I, I got the course uh, at the Olive Times Education Lab in New York, the International Culinary Center there, and um, a week of training, at, by the end, we've tasted probably 230 or so olive oils, uh, including some defective ones, because part of it is to understand the defective ones so you can appreciate the not defective ones and the amazing olive oils. Can you have too much olive oil? Um, I haven't so far. <laughs> proof and uh, of one, uh, I survived. I drink olive oil every morning, and I experiment by myself. I have 40, 50 olive oils open in my kitchen at any given time. Wow. Just like wine, you will not drink this wine with a particular food. Olive oil is the same thing. Right. Now, where did your interest in olive oil come from? And for that matter, the Mediterranean diet and olive products in general? Interesting uh, story. Um, I was talking to somebody a few years ago how this came to be. Steve Jobs said, 
you connect the dots backwards. You cannot connect them going forwards. And for a while, I thought about that. And one of my favorite field trips ever as a little kid in first grade was in the Olive Press. Uh, I grew up in Cyprus, so it was a great field trip that we went. And I remember that smell. To this day, I can engage my memory to remember that smell as you walk into the press. Well, years later, I realized that that smell was a major defect in an olive oil during my training as a sommelier. So that kind of put the two together. And about 12 years ago at at Yale University, where I'm located, I put together a year-long series of panels what I thought was missing from the nutrition world, from Mediterranean nutrition, was this gap. The science is out there. People are putting out science and research to show what the benefits are. But the people who are supposed to benefit from it probably don't get it. So there was that lack of the information flowing out to consumers. So I put together panels that would bring together the scientists, nutritionists, the chefs, the sociologists, the physicians who work with people who are going to benefit from this. So that started my career into this world of the material nutrition and olive oil being the central element that became sort of my main interest going forward. You live in New York now, but you grew up in Cyprus. Do you see there's a huge disconnect with people in New York or in the West with their food versus those who grew up in the Mediterranean? It's a huge gap. I mean, huge difference. But it took me a while to appreciate that because I took for granted what I grew up with. A classic example, one of my professors in graduate school, uh, his background was Western and Northern European primarily. And when he was involved with a lot of his students who were from that part of the world, the Mediterranean, it's like, you guys sit around the table forever. And I said, well, that's where everything happens, around the table, around food, as opposed to his growing up was food on the table, eat, and you're done. Whereas around the table for us was sitting and talking about the day, about problems, about anything, support that you needed. And just as an aside, the word in Greek for partner, whether it's business partner or life partner, means somebody you eat with. So that gives the weight of sitting around the table and consuming healthy food. Do you go back to Cyprus? I go uh, three or four times a year now uh, with work particularly and trying to do this work as well about the health benefits and olive oil. Do you see eating habits have changed since you were young? Unfortunately, they have changed, which it's the influence of the Western food paradigms that we've seen uh, and life getting a little bit faster than it used to be when I grew up. But I think now there's a turn, especially in Greece, I've seen the last few years because of the recession they've had and the problems they've had, people going back to that old way of living and eating seasonal foods that they grow themselves uh, and people going back to the fields. So that's a good thing. Back home, back in the West, do you see that there's a lot of disinformation about the Mediterranean diet? A lot of misinformation. I think what I want to try to as a message to what I do at the School of Public Health at Yale is this idea that the Mediterranean diet, as we call it, is not another flavor of the month kind of diet. It's a way of living. It's a way of of engaging not only your needs for calories, but other things as well. If we look at the word diet in Greek, it means a way of life. It does not mean what you do not eat because to me, diet has some negative connotation. You're, you're not eating something because you shouldn't be. With Mediterranean nutrition is you eat everything in, in moderation. 
and you eat healthy stuff, including olive oil. So that misinformation, especially about the diet and the um, and the olive oil and any other ingredient, it's affected by influences from other kinds of. Now it's this diet that somebody's pushing forward, and now it's the other diet by some group that wants to promote certain kinds of, of food. Whereas the material nutrition has not changed; it survived sustainable throughout hundreds of years. We didn't call it that two, three hundred years ago, but now it, we call it under that diet nomenclature. Why do you think that? Why do you think we've lost that back to basics, or the way you're explaining about the attitude towards our food? Well, part of it, I think, is the way of uh, if we look at the West, the way we we live our lives now. It's very fast paced, and you know you're not gonna make extra time to do things that you would otherwise have done, and that translates into your food, how you eat. It's hard to convince somebody that you should eat seasonally and tomatoes only in the summer, as opposed to now you see tomatoes throughout the year. Yes, they're coming from different parts of the world. We have globalization; can have access to any fruit, any veggie, any produce any time of the year. And that, I think, comes with the assumption that whatever we eat, whenever we eat, it's the same quality. And that might not be the case. It's hard. It's a hard idea to push forward to people and say, don't eat this kind of food this time of year. But it's available. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you see the Olive Wellness Institute working as a vehicle to drive changes in education and health across the globe? Well, the the work that the Olive Wellness Institute has been doing, it's incredible in pulling together all the information that's available in terms of research and and other work that's been done in the olive oil world as well as the nutrition world. And it it pulled together something that's easy for people to understand and read, very updated, uh, but at the same time, very rigorous in, in terms of what they put up on their websites or what the information they put out is carefully reviewed to make sure that it does meet certain criteria before it goes up. Because you'll find websites and channels that will talk about this kind of information, but not with a very careful review of what goes up and what gets disseminated. Whereas the Olive Wellness Institute is something that was maintained from the beginning, set the stage, set the threshold to be in the bar very high in order to meet those scientific criteria before anything is disseminated. So their role, I think, is is tremendous in making sure this information is put out there, but the right information. In terms of dietary guidelines, what would you like to see changed with policies around that around the world in relation to the extra virgin olive oil and Mediterranean diet? I think that there's got to be some way of changing what the consumer sees. Because you go through a grocery store, you go to a store to buy olive oil, you see different kinds of labels, different kinds of of naming conventions about extra virgin olive oil. There has to be a way of making sure the consumer is not confused. Because if we're telling the consumer this is what you should be consuming and they go in front of a shelf and they see all these kind of labels, they're going to be confused. So there's got to be some more coordinated effort from the countries that produce the olive oil and the industry, obviously, to come together and say, okay, this is how we're going to label the olive oil so people can understand. So if you go to a store here in Australia and I go to a store in New York, we're going to see this similar label that means the same thing. So that that's one thing that needs to change. And I think education, you can have policy, but policy will not, will not have impact 
unless people are educated in why things have changed and why we're heading in a certain direction. So it has to start from the beginning. Um, implementing policy might be easy, but actually having people adopt what the policy is trying to implement to change uh, will take time. But it's a good start that uh, I think we're, in my opinion, we are at the tipping point of where education is going to start having an effect, at least when it comes to all the volunteering and nutrition. Well, final question, Tassos. Can you tell us about the Yale Olive Oil Institute? So uh, it's one of those uh, crazy dreams that people sometimes have, and uh, you either go for it or you decide, I'm going to let it sit for a while. So about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I was meeting uh, with a colleague at the school um, in the Environmental Health Science Department, and I said, we got to do something about olive oil. Uh, and he goes, like what? Well, I'm going to put together a proposal to the Yale Olive Institute. And the idea behind this, and again, seeing from the United States, uh, the United States primarily produces the olive oil in California. There's a strong presence of the olive oil industry because of importing olive oil from Mediterranean and Australia, some from Australia. So the idea behind this is to bring everybody together under the umbrella of a, an academic institution. Uh, and being at the School of Public Health gives us that that ability to mobilize both the, the expertise we have in our schools and in the university campus, but we want to be an umbrella organization that brings partners like the Olive Wellness Institute, like the North America Olive Oil Association, like other universities and industry and, and everybody to partner towards the improvement in dissemination of information for one and the research as well as education and obvious environmental health sciences being the environment, uh, the impact of olive oil and the sustainability of that in helping towards improving the environment or mitigating the negative impact of the environment that we're seeing nowadays. So there's a lot of components that go under that. We have four or five major pillars in this proposed institute that we're putting together. One is agriculture and agronomy, obviously and new ways of of agriculture production in olive oil. We have the chemistry behind it, the sensory science and the metabolomics, because it's been shown that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. We're still scratching the surface in terms of the benefits of the olive oil, even at the cellular level, so we have to look into that. The third one is uh, obviously education and health and nutrition. And the last one is we have uh, gastronomy, culture, and finance economics because they all go together. And then the overarching theme of this is we have to engage industry, organizations, academic institutions, and anybody else who's in this space. And industry is a major partner in this because they are in it to produce olive oil and, and olive products, but at the same time, they see the value of educating the consumers down the road because that's their customer base. So there's a, everybody wins in this situation. So we put this proposal together to partner with people across the globe and anybody who wants to be partners of this. And we've had a very, very positive uh, response to all this. Tessos Kiriakides. And that ends episode 11 of Olive Wellness Podcast. To learn more about the nutrition, health and wellness benefits of olives and olive products, please visit the Olive Wellness Institute website at olivewellnessinstitute.org. Until next time, I'm Sarah Gray. Thanks for listening.